All right. So as I said earlier, as you can see, Danny isn't here. For those who don't know me, my name is Jake. I'm one of the associates here for junior high at Grace Church. If I haven't met you before, I'd love to meet you. So come up and say hi. And if I have met you, say hi again. I'd like to see you. Hey. Hey, guys. Oh, I know. I know. Good. All right. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to get this going. Lord, you're welcome in this place. God, I'm trusting that you'll give me the words to say, Jesus. I pray that these students' hearts will be opened and that they'll receive what has to be said. So I pray that you'll bless this time in your name. Amen. All right, so tonight the title of this message is Winning in Middle School Doesn't Always Look Like Winning. I'm going to talk to you guys about how winning for Jesus doesn't look like your everyday winning in the eyes of the world. I'm going to be preaching from Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and take it out, and we'll, I'll read this passage for you here quick. Once everybody has it out that I can see, we'll get going. All right, I think it's good. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 11 says this, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. Oh, hang on. Sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. So I was going to go about this message different tonight. But something else got put on my heart literally today, and I feel like I have to share this stuff with you. Like literally, I had this message finished yesterday and deleted the entire thing and restarted just because I felt like I needed to go at it at a different angle so that you guys can really grasp what I'm trying to get across to you. So I feel like you guys know me. Like, I've been here since the beginning of the year. You've gotten to know me pretty well, but you really don't know much about who I am, where I've come from. So tonight I want to be able to share my story with you guys and the things that I've personally been through, the things that I've experienced, that I've seen, that I've done, and so on. So I'm just going to start in the beginning. So I was born May 3rd, 2001. I was brought into this world. I'm the youngest of four siblings. I have an older brother named Curtis, and I have two older sisters named Maddie and Becca. And I have two parents that are amazing, and I've really demonstrated what an amazing Christian family looks like. And growing up, my dad worked here at Grace. He was the worship pastor for 28 years, and he's actually still on staff, going strong, just in a different role. So I grew up in the church, like literally. I think I sometimes spent more time in this place than I did at my own house. I grew up knowing who Jesus was. I gave my life to Jesus at a young age. I was seven years old. I attended Sunday school and Wednesday night Awana. Like every single Sunday and Wednesday class you could think of, I was probably a part of. I sat in here where you guys are sitting in junior high ministry. And then I went up to high school ministry. And then I graduated high school. And now I'm married to my amazing wife, Kate. And I live in Eden Prairie. And now I work here at Grace. So that's just a brief overview of where I came from. So you're probably wondering where I'm going with, it, with all of this. 
what's the point of all of it? But long story short, growing up, I played a dangerous game pretty much until my senior year. I played the game of being somebody else in and out of church. I strived to be somebody that I wasn't. And I said all the right things around the right people. I talked like a Christian. I acted like a Christian. And I answered all the questions in my small groups all while I was living a total lie of life. I knew that I was a Christian. I knew that I was saved. I didn't doubt that. I didn't doubt that I was going to heaven. But I didn't fully grasp and know what it meant to follow Christ. My whole family would lead worship on Sundays. My brother-in-law was a youth pastor. My brother was a worship leader. So I could literally answer any question about church and about Jesus because I knew it all up here, but none of it made sense in my heart, and I hadn't accepted it in my heart. So you see, the part that no one really saw was who I was outside of church. I was lost. I was doing anything and everything that I could to measure up to the people around me. And me being someone, I was, I was bullied in middle school and early parts of high school, so I literally would do anything that I could to be recognized. I was on my high school basketball team. I wasn't super good, but I was on the team, and I bragged to people about that so that I could fit in with my friend groups. I partied, I drank, I smoked, I messed around with girls, and truthfully, I did a lot of things that were a lot of fun in the moment, but were not fulfilling. I would go crazy on the weekends, I would say and do all sorts of sick things, and then I'd show up to church on Sunday and Wednesday and act like nothing happened. I was stuck. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I, that what I was doing was wrong because I was so deep and so addicted to the things that I was doing, and it felt good. It felt good to be able to do that stuff. It felt good showing up to church, acting like nothing was wrong, and being able to point out other people's flaws but never recognizing my own until they all got exposed. I got caught, and everything that I had been doing got brought into the light. People found out about my partying. They found out about my sexual sin and my sexual desires, and everything was out. I hit rock bottom, and I didn't know what to do. I was lost, and I was in search of the answers, all while the answer had been in front of my face for the last 18 years of my life. And the truth is, and the answer is Jesus, and the truth is that he died for me, that he rose again, defeating the grave and defeating death, and then he proved his holiness through that. He's the one and only answer, and I found true victory and freedom in him. So if you remember back to the beginning of when I got up here, I gave you the scripture from the Apostle Paul from Philippians 3. I'm going to break it down for you. But first, I want to get into who Paul was. So he was formerly known as Saul. I'm sure all of you guys know him as Paul, one of the greatest missionaries of all time. But before he came Paul, he was Saul. He was a Pharisee. Now, if you don't know what a Pharisee is, a Pharisee was like the elite of the elite for the religious leaders of the day. They were the Jewish leaders that taught all the Jewish religion and made sure everybody was following the correct rules and the correct laws. And that was Paul, and Paul was like at the very top. He was intense. He would persecute Christians. He would arrest them. He would kill them. And in the eyes of the early Jews and the other Pharisees, Paul had it made. He had a high-ranking title. He was successful. He was a well-respected leader until Jesus met him through his Holy Spirit. And so what Paul is talking about in this passage is that all of the past accomplishments and the past wrongdoing are, one, they're not only forgiven, but two, they hold absolutely no level of significance in the eyes of eternity for the cross. They were all just religious checklist to-dos. 
And once he realized that, everything for him changed. His whole life changed. So with that being said, the first point for you guys to remember tonight is that winning for Christ looks like putting your past accomplishments and your achievements behind you. We see in verses 7 and 8 that Paul considers everything that he has accomplished as worthless. He counts them as a loss. He counts all these things that he did as a loss, even though he was so high up and so sought after in the Jewish community, he counts them as a loss. He had it going for himself. He was successful. He had the ideal family lineage. He was in authority, and he was probably living a pretty great life for himself. But it just wasn't enough for him. In Acts chapter 9, we see the transformation of Paul's life, where he goes from Saul, the persecutor, the Pharisee, to Paul, the missionary. While on his journey to a place called Damascus, he was on his way to kill Christians. Then all of a sudden, he was, he was encountered by the Holy Spirit in the form of a bright light that physically blinded him, knocked him to the ground, and the Lord said to go to the city of Damascus where you'll find a man named Ananias, and you'll know what to do from there. And so once he got to the city, he saw this man, and the Lord commanded him to go and make disciples. In verse 15 of Acts 9, the Holy Spirit is saying this, go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Paul, a former religious elite on his way to literally kill Christians, was met by the Lord and told to preach the gospel, leaving everything behind that he had worked for for the sake of fullness in Christ. So you see, the thing is, I, I was like Paul. Now, I wasn't going around killing people that disagreed with me, but I thought that following Jesus was just a religious check-the-box, follow-the-rules thing. I had no idea that following Jesus meant dying to myself, picking up my cross, and following him in a relationship. How many of you would be willing to trade the things that you have worked for to go and follow Jesus? I was faced with this. When everything came crashing down in my life, I was forced to make a decision. I didn't have an insane encounter like Paul where I was blinded, but one day I just woke up and I realized I needed more. I realized that the things that I was doing were not fulfilling. I would come down off of a physical high and I'd feel empty. I would wake up after a night out and be disgusted with what I did the night before. And I decided that I wanted to go all in and I wanted to win for Jesus. I wanted what the kingdom had to offer. And I didn't want what the evil of this world had to offer. I quit basketball partially just because, like, truthfully, I wasn't that good. So I didn't really play much. But I stopped hanging out with my friends that were dragging me down, and I pursued the cross with my whole heart. Has it been easy? No, not necessarily it hasn't been easy. But I finally learned how to walk in freedom and victory through Jesus, that Jesus so graciously paid for by dying on the cross and rising again from the dead, defeating death. And I'm finally, finally able to experience fullness through Jesus. Now, another way that winning might look in middle school is to become one with Jesus. In verses 8 and 9 of Philippians 3, Paul says this, Yes, everything else 
is worthless. Talking about his past life, he's saying everything that he did was worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Now, I read this and I'm taken back. Paul's willing to count everything that is not of Christ as worthless garbage so that he could gain Christ. He wanted badly to pursue fullness with his creator, to experience the intimate relationship with Jesus that he was called into. And the crazy thing is he's not just talking about his past life. He's not talking about the sins that he committed. He's talking about everything in his life that is not of Christ, the past, present, and future, is a loss. When in comparison to finding fullness and gaining Christ, nothing that you do here on earth holds any value in the eyes of eternity. The sports you play, the car you drive, your job, your income, your friend group, your grades, how much money you make. Now, I'm not saying just to go quit everything that you've worked for and just live off the land. What I'm trying to get across to you guys is to not get caught up in the day-to-day checklists of religion. Don't lose sight of what really matters. Knowing Jesus and following him holds so much more value than anything else in this world. It's a crazy thought. Leasing, leaving all your accomplishments behind to become one with Christ sounds intimidating, but you guys, it's so worth it. The intimacy of knowing Christ and experiencing a personal relationship will never disappoint you, ever. Get your recognition from him and give him the recognition that he deserves. Don't get your recognition from your peers. Put your confidence in him, not in your sport, not in your worth. It is totally worth it. But in order to do so, you have to get rid of your old self. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 to 24 reads this. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old nature your old sinful nature, and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, this passage lays it out perfectly. Get rid of your old sinful ways. Throw it away. Put it in the grave, bury it, burn it, get rid of it. I don't care, destroy it. Because the Bible says that you're a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has become. Allow the Spirit to guide your speech. Allow the Spirit to guide your thoughts, your actions, everything. But not only does it say to get rid of your old sinful nature, it says to put on your new nature. You go out with the old, you come in with the new. It's like taking off a jacket, throwing it off, getting a brand new one and zipping it up, and it looks all clean and all beautiful because that's what it's like when you follow Jesus. All of the stains are removed because of the blood of Christ. You have been made new. You were created to be like him. You were created to be righteous, to be holy. You guys, this is huge. This is huge. I pray and I envision all of you guys walking through your school with bright lights shining all around you because of what Jesus has done. I envision you guys changing the face of your communities, changing the face of your schools. You guys are only in middle school, but it can start right now. You don't have to be out of high school. You don't have to be out of college. It can start right now when you're in sixth grade. Walk into your faith. Walk into your schools with boldness and a new fire that will truly allow you 
to win. The moment that I decided to become one with Christ, everything changed. I understood what it truly meant to be a Christian. I was happier. I was able to see the joy in life. I found my true purpose on earth. I realized that my destiny was in heaven and not being approved by people on earth. My friends even noticed a change. They would ask me why I was different, why I didn't spend time with them, why I acted different around them. And the simple answer was I allowed Jesus to change my life radically from the inside out. It was a true and genuine devotion to Christ. Now, the last thing that I want you guys to hear right now is that I think that I'm some perfect person because I'm not. I still find myself messing up every day. Even this morning, I found myself accidentally disrespecting my wife without even thinking about it. I have done gross and messed up things. I've made mistakes. But I have the privilege of walking in victory every day with Jesus. I know that I'm secure in my relationship with him and that nothing and nobody can come in between that and take that away from me. You might be sitting here wondering, what will my friends think if I start following Jesus? Will they judge me? Will they think I'm weird? Will they make fun of me? Will I, will I stop getting invited to go to their house? So this is my final, my final point, and this is a big one. I want you guys to hear this because this is huge. This, this is the truth and the reality of following Jesus. This is what comes with following Jesus, that winning for Jesus might look like suffering for him. In verses 10 and 11, Paul writes this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. He desperately wants to know Jesus. He wants to know everything about him. He wants to know how he lived. He wants to know what his personality might have been like. He wants to know what his lifestyle was like. He wants to know what his ministry was like. He wants to know everything about the person of Jesus. And he wanted to devote his entire life to Jesus. He wanted to experience the mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead, and he is willing to do so by giving his life and suffering for him. And the biggest thing is, is that he's just willing to die for him. He's willing to live for him. He's willing to die for him. He did not care what it took. He wanted Jesus, and he wanted the name of Jesus to be known by all nations. And he did that. He went from being the one that would persecute people to be the one that was persecuted. He went from arresting and killing Christians to being the one that was arrested and eventually killed because he was a Christian. Now, there's a passage that's been changing my outlook on my relationship with Jesus and has truthfully been changing my outlook on Christianity as a whole because I believe there's a lot of Christians nowadays that are not willing to take risks for Jesus. I have to share it with you guys. It comes from 2 Corinthians, and it's about the Apostle Paul essentially explaining his credentials to the false teachers that were claiming that he wasn't qualified enough. He wasn't boasting in a sinful way, but he was boasting to silence anyone that doesn't believe that his faith was genuine. It's 2 Corinthians 11, 21 to 27, and it reads this. I'm ashamed to say that we've been too weak to do that. But whatever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again. I dare to boast about it too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? 
I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep warm. And finally, Paul's life came to an end. He was killed for his faith. And after all of his suffering, after all of his preaching of the gospel, he finally finished his journey and arrived home in paradise. Take it in for a second. Think about it and feel the weight of that truth. Hey, girls, you guys have been talking this whole time. Focus up a little bit. You guys are distracting other people. I don't want to have to call you out, but it's distracting to me. After devoting his whole life, he finally finished the race. He was an ordinary man who never personally met Jesus, but was willing to do whatever it took up until the point of death. Now, I'm not saying that all of this is necessarily going to happen to you guys. You're not necessarily going to get thrown into prison. You might not get beat up. You might not get killed. But what I'm saying is that when it comes to following Jesus, we're called to be willing to give up everything, including our comforts, including our lives. Jesus loved us so much that he died for us, so who are we to not do the same for him? There are some of you here that I know are feeling a stirring in your heart. I know that some of you want to go all in for Jesus. I know that some of you are living the life that I lived And personally, I've experienced a slight version of persecution for my faith. Not like Paul, but I've been laughed at, I've been made fun of, I've been threatened to get beat up. And it's not fun. It's not. But it's so rewarding because it's for the sake of Jesus. He suffered for us, so why can't we suffer for him? Who cares if someone laughs at you? At least they heard the name of Jesus. They'll walk away still hearing that name in their head, even though if they've never heard it before. It's so rewarding to be so faithful in something that you're willing to give your life for it. Now, this may not be your average victory, but in the eyes of Christ, it is. To the people who persecute you, they may be, they may themselves one day turn to Jesus. Paul's a prime example. Even one of the Roman soldiers that killed Jesus and crucified Jesus, realized that he was the son of God while he was hanging up on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. One of the criminals that was on the cross with Jesus trusted in him while he was being crucified next to him. And that day he was dead, and he went to paradise with him. You guys, winning in middle school won't always look like winning in the eyes of the non-believer. I'm getting emotional about this because it's real. Devote your life to him. I say this often, but this life isn't guaranteed. Everything could end tonight. Absolutely everything could end tonight. Where would you go? 
If your life ended right this second, where would you go? Are you confident that you would be in heaven, or do you not know where you would be? If you stand at the gates of heaven, and you look God face to face, and he says, why should I let you into my kingdom, what will you say? What will you say? Will you say, oh, I was a good person. I held the door open a lot. I gave a lot of money to some charities. I was nice. Tried my best. Or will you say, no, God, you should let me into my kingdom because I believe that you sent your son Jesus on the cross to die for me. And I believe that he saved me from my sins. That he rose again from the grave, conquering death. That's why you should let me in. I might not have been perfect, but Lord, I devoted myself to you. Following Jesus is the key to winning in middle school. Ridding yourself of these things that are holding you back. Becoming one with Jesus, devoting yourself so much to him that you're willing to suffer for his name. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. He understands where you are right now. He understands that middle school is not easy. He understands that so much is happening and so much is changing in this world and in your life, and he just wants you to turn. There's the cross. He just wants you to turn and look at the cross and run to it. To run to him, his, his arms are wide open. The scars that are in his hand, the scars that are in his feet, in his head, from his crown, on the back, from his whips, they're all there proving that he died for you, for you, for you, for everybody here. He thought of you when he was on the cross, and he just wants your heart. How will you leave your mark in middle school? How will you leave your mark in your family that doesn't believe in Jesus? How will you leave your mark in your friend group that doesn't believe in Jesus? How will you win for the kingdom? So tonight, I want to be able to pray for those who either don't know Jesus, and I want to give you guys an opportunity to do that. And I also want to pray for those who know Jesus but, but haven't taken that step yet that haven't truly understood the weight of what it means to follow Jesus and the freedom that comes with following Jesus, the freedom that you're forgiven from your sins, that you don't have to live in shame, that he's paid the penalty for your sins, and that you can look forward to eternity with him in heaven. So if that's you tonight, if you've never received Jesus before, and if you, if you have received Jesus, but you just want to start over, and you want to say, today, what's the date? November 16th, 2022 is the day that I'm saying yes for Jesus. It's the day that I'm putting my old life behind me, and I'm running forward, and I'm going to run this race with endurance until the very end. Because, like I said earlier, your life could end tonight, and your life could go for another 80, 90 years. I don't know. But use every single day, every single moment, every waking second on this earth as if it is your last moment on earth. Because the truth is, once the trumpets sound and Jesus returns, it's going to be over. It's going to be too late, and that could happen right now. That could happen right this second, but no one knows when. Not even Jesus knows the moment or the hour of when he's going to return, but when he does, it's going to be too late. So I'm going to pray with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray. And if, if, you're the, if you're one of the people in here that feels the stirring in their heart to say yes to Jesus, I want you to pray along with me. And when I'm done, if that is you, I want you to look at me. 
I want you to look at me, and I'll give you an opportunity to do that, and I will personally come see you after the service to talk to you. Lord Jesus, I need you. Father, I admit that I need you. I admit that this life that I've been living is not honoring to you. Jesus, I want to put my old life behind me and run to you and accept the freedom that you're so graciously offering to me. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again three days later, conquering death. God, I invite you into my heart. I invite you to reshape my life and reshape my heart. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. So still, with everybody's head down, nobody looking around, if any of you guys prayed that prayer tonight, I want you to look at me. And if you think I don't see you, raise your hand so I can see you. No one's looking around. I see you. I really do. I see you guys. So Jesus, thank you so much for this night. Thank you so much for all of these students. Thank you so much that you have blessed me with the opportunity to preach your word to them, Jesus. I pray that your word will, will hold weight in all of their hearts and that their minds and their souls can just be fixed on you day in and day out. Jesus, my heart breaks for lost students and my heart breaks for lost people. God, you just want our hearts. And I pray that you can better me daily, that you can better these students daily, you can better this church daily so that we can just love you. So Lord, thank you for this entire night. I pray that you'll bless us for the rest of this night so we can have fun and we can wait until 8 o'clock to get out of here and go home. Jesus, bless these students' weeks, bless their lives as they're coming up on Thanksgiving and Christmas break. I pray all this in your name. Amen.